Hello and welcome back to another episode of Untick the Box Season 2. I'm your host Kovida and I am so happy to be joined today by our guest Paula Quintes. Paula is joining us from Berlin and she is the Head of Strategy and Collective Intelligence at BMW Foundation. Paula is a purposeful and compassionate leader and has infectious energy. We are so excited to have her on and without further ado, let's get started. Hi Paula, it's so nice to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Today we have some sun in Berlin, so it's always better if you have some warmth in the cold autumn days. That sounds lovely. It's so nice to have you and thank you for taking time out to do this. Um, so I'd love to um, jump into the podcast right away. And how about we start with, um, you know, how you started your career at BMW Foundation and in communications in general? So there are two different questions because I started my career 20 years ago in, in Brazil, more than 20 years ago, but let's not talk about the days. Uh, I um, studied um, communications with emphasis in advertising and uh, started working as designer. And this was uh, back then, in 20-something years ago in Brazil, was uh, not the usual path uh, because design was much more focused uh, not on design thinking but rather into product. And I was always fascinated about this connection between design thinking processes and how to translate these into messages and into experiences for brands, for organizations. So this was more or less what guided my work life and what brought me to the BMW Foundation eight years ago. Uh, eight years ago, I was living in Rio de Janeiro, uh, working on my own company called Catalejos. And I was working as a pro bono uh, professional in a project called Cities Can Be that still today works to uh, develop solutions, sustainable solutions for cities involving all stakeholders, all city stakeholders. And they said, no, we are meeting our main uh, supporter. Uh, it's this foundation. Uh, and uh, in Brazil, uh, BMW, as several other countries, uh, Brazil, uh, BMW is just this super fancy, high-status brand. And I was like, why a brand that is related to uh, fancy cars and it's involved with such particular projects about sustainability? I, I, I was very intrigued. But they said, no, we want to present you to them. Blah, blah, blah. And then I met uh, some representatives of the foundation in Brazil. Uh, starting by Sandra Ortiz. Uh, she's a Mexican, full of energy. And then when first this experience, expecting like a German guy and then meeting a Mexican, super uh, excited uh, and super visionary person. Uh, to me, it was the first shock. I was like, hmm, interesting. Maybe this is not about cars. And then when we started to talk, she uh, presented the work of the foundation and the vision of the foundation uh, into responsible leadership, into empowering leaders and, uh, other, and broader ecosystems on supporting the achievement of the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals. I was uh, intrigued and excited. And then uh, we started to exchange on uh, 
general needs that they had and general challenges that they had that they were it's usually and uh, when we are here talking about PR communications and marketing sometimes uh, organizational problems they become evident by uh, communications. They say, no, this is a communications problem. And at that point, they thought that their main problem was like, no, we are changing our brand and it's really, we have a challenge to translate this to the world. And this translation is always funny because it's it can uh, comprise a lot of things because it can be from uh, organizational challenge to uh, internal culture to, of course, external communications, branding, marketing, and so on. And uh, when we started to discuss about this, several opportunities within the organizations uh, started to emerge. First, uh, we dated, I used, to, I used to say, for three years. And then uh, after dating for three years, I moved from Rio to uh, Berlin, and I'm here since then. <laughs> that sounds really wonderful. I love that analogy. Um, I think it's also so fascinating that you um, started with design. Do you think this has, um, even to this day, I mean, as you said, it was um, around 20 years ago and maybe a little bit more. So do you think you still hold those um, values and those learnings quite close to yourself in your work today? Uh, definitely. I, I always thought that... Uh, I, I was never worried about my uh, work path because uh, I think that every experience, even if at that point in life they don't seem like completely connected or completely the, the path is not completely clear, I think that each step helps you to uh, build your vision and how can you contribute through your work to make this world a better place. I think that I, I was always moved by not only, of course, we want to earn money and we want to be successful, but I think that our success and at least my success just makes sense if somehow I'm also contributing to some change to make this world a better place. And this comes to from sustainability aspects, from uh, making it uh, environmentally better, but also in terms of policies in terms of uh, culture and to me this was something that always uh, uh, drove me in my decisions in my career. I think that's a very wise learning to to have you know to be aware that even if things things don't make sense right now in the end they're, they're all going to line up. Um, is this uh, something that inspires you even now and what are some other things that um, you find quite inspirational? It's too. It's so much. I think that one one key element that to me inspires me daily is uh, people. I'm very curious about people in general and about what happens around us, but around us in this uh, bigger concept. Because it's not only about around us in the city that I chose to live and uh, I have my family right now that is Berlin, but also what happens. Uh, in other countries, what happens in my home country, and uh, how we can contribute to to uh, to make things better. And when I think about, I think about even uh, small things that how uh, the way that I talk to people, the way that I listen to people, the way that I'm present on the things that I do, either my work but also my personal life how uh, 
this can uh, inform me about uh, um, my surrounding uh, and help me to, uh, to, to do whatever I can do to, 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 to not, not only on my work, but to really to um, influence people. I think uh, it's, 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 sometimes it's a bit annoying to be around me, <laughs> my, my husband, sometimes we are exchanging and uh, he's like, uh, he's saying something and I'm, I'm, uh, he says that he, I'm his EDB, uh, Equity, Diversity, Diversity and Belonging Police, because sometimes I'm like, I understand what you want to say, but can we try to avoid this wording, avoid this judgment and so on? And nowadays he's super used to, but in the beginning, I think he was a bit uh, but uh, I, I think that this is, uh, I, I, and especially working with leadership in the foundation, I think that most of the time we think that leaders are these saviors. But how, to, what uh, inspires me in my work uh, on the BMW Foundation is also how, this, uh, how we lead ourselves, how through our life, it's not that uh, it's not because you are not the president of BMW <laughs> or the president of a big corporation or of an influential country that you can't promote small change that can become a systemic change. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, um, you know, what you said before, being in the business of communication, of course, we have to take care of language. It's, it's everything. And, and I think we all really understand the value of it. Um, is there something in your daily life that you do that really helps you ground yourself um, to this vision and, and purpose almost that um, you have? Good question. I, I think uh, I'm trying to, because I'm, I'm in the middle of a big uh, transformation on my, on my working life, and right now, sleep is, <laughs> is the main thing. I think in, so, in some moments we also... Uh, need to understand what our body is asking us. And right now my body is asking to slow down. Uh, it's like I, I feel that I was in a, in a sprint and now I need to hold my breath to keep the rest of the marathon or the rest of the triathlon. Maybe the next one is swimming. Uh, but I really I love to do sports and outdoor sports. A challenge here in Germany since we have seven months of winter, autumn. Uh, I loved, I, I think sports, uh, I really love to uh, disconnect my brain a bit because I'm a very mental person. So I'm always like thinking or trying to, this, this uh, head of the, this design head, this design thinker head, it's something that is with me, uh, not only in my, my professional life, it's, I'm always trying to solve problems and to, to calm this down like, cook a nice food, um, bake a cake. I, I, this was something that in the last months with this not so much time to do sports, I was baking more cakes. My stepson loves my cakes and uh, I'm very good on choco cake. <laughs> oh, that sounds wonderful. Um, so you mentioned sports and, and baking a lot. So are these any like personal projects that you're working towards? Um, do you think you'd ever, for example, go for a marathon or something even bigger, like a whole collection? No, it's a, it's a strange because I have a to-do list. I created a to-do list that was supposed to do until 40. 
I just turned it 40 and I didn't accomplish. But the things that I really would love to do is surf, learn to surf, and play an instrument, probably the bass. It's, uh, it's two things, it's completely unrelated with what I just said, because it's like, I, I, I think I like to bake, I like to do sports, but I, I prefer to do sports really not on a competitive way. But I think if I, I prefer, if I have to develop further, I would not develop further to do it in a more like professional way, but really to learn new things and learn new, new languages. Uh, this is something that I regret from my childhood. I was like, why my mom didn't obligate me to learn more languages? <laughs> but it's fun. P poor my mom. My mom tried to offer me all the options and uh, I had so many uh, I, I had so many great other experiences in terms of playing a lot in the street and uh, being a small town in Brazil, in the south of Brazil and being raised with a lot of cousins and my sisters and so on so uh, it's just I'm I'm deviating from the answer but just to that sometimes we, we try to look back and think like, why we didn't, but it's, I think the good thing about our generation is that we can also look forward. Our forward is much longer and much uh, extended, much more extended than the generations before. That, that's so true. Um, I think these days there's really not much of, you know, an achievement timeline and, and you really can uh, manage to accomplish things um, in your own way, like learning languages and instrument, all of those things. Uh, but it's actually really nice you mentioned your family because um, I did want to get into um, a little bit more about how you grew up and who you grew up with and, how, and what it was like. So I am from the deep south of Brazil. It's always funny because when I say that I am Brazilian, people think that I was born in the middle of the jungle close to Rio de Janeiro, because this is the vision. That people are like, no, the first thing is, you're not used to cold, to, to winter. And I'm like, no, but I come from the deep south of Brazil, very close to Uruguay. We have, this, of course, we don't have uh, seven months, but we have good three months of winter. And uh, so the, the city is called Rio Grande. If you look on the map, you can check Brazil and then down, 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 down there. Uh, is uh, Rio Grande. After Rio Grande, you just have two more towns and then Brazil is over. <laughs> I, I grew up there with two sisters. Uh, I love to think, uh, and I, this was something that I realized not long ago, I think after my 30s, that I had a very feminist um, um, education. And not, not, not because it was intentional, not because my mom was a huge feminist uh, in, in the concept of like, uh, in the academic concept of learning from all the, the reading about it. But I think they, she always teached us about our value and how to value other women, uh, how to practice this and how to practice, how to challenge the barriers, these gender barriers in terms of what is possible and what's not. And it was, uh, and it was something that a friend uh, made me realize some time ago that she looked at me and she said, ah, you were one of the first feminists that I met when we joined the university. I was like, gosh, I, I, I started to consider myself feminist <laughs> decades, after, decades uh, like years and years after, because it's, uh, but I, I, felt, I felt that by the fact that we were three women, uh, and we didn't have this uh, 
my, my dad was always trying to empower us and uh, they are both alive until today. I love them. Every year I book the end of the year to travel back to Brazil to spend the holidays with them. And, um, but they always teach us to go for the things that we wanted and to really uh, uh, challenge the status quo. And I think this, was, this is something that I think that is so beautiful. And also I had two beautiful uh, grandmothers that I had the possibility to at least uh, learn and to be with. At, uh, I was 15 when both um, died. But I think these 15 uh, first years, they were so important to build uh, my, uh, my idea of what I wanted to be. They were artists, and it was really uh, something that uh, some days ago, uh, here in the, in the office, we were, because we have this checking questions, check out questions, and it's also something, something from this Zoom culture, this culture of uh, online calls. And the people asked <clears throat> if you had the opportunity to uh, interview someone, if you had a talk show, and if you had the opportunity to interview someone, who you would uh, interview. And my colleagues, they were like, ah, Barack Obama, uh, Jim Hendrix, la la la. And I was, I would love to bring back my grandmothers and check on them, like, because I think that I missed so many opportunities to learn from them because I was too young and they they left so early so uh, this is this to me like the, the fam family for me is this not only this place of fun and joy but also this place where where we we learn about our values in uh, in an intrinsic way it's about the small things that you do on the routines that help you to face the world in a different way Yes, it, it's really so wonderful and so rare to have older generations um, of your family and, and learn from them. And I think um, I also have a sister and I'm very close with both my grandmothers. So I'm really quite fortunate that way. So really understand that. Um, if, you, if you could share maybe um, three things that, you, that you've learned from um, your family or three like perhaps values that you still hold very close to you. I what do you think the you might focus one on? Is uh, empathy. And uh, I, I think that this uh, try, try to put yourself in others' shoes without judgment, but really uh, it, it helps you to gain an, uh, another perspective on situations and to be humble and to think about before taking any actions or assumptions. So to me, it's something that is crucial on my personal and professional life. Uh, I think another thing is um, a deep sense of responsibility. And this one is a uh, bless and a burden because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm always like, sometimes I feel, I feel more responsible than possible. Like, like, uh, sometimes when I see some uh, situations, my first attitude is how somehow I collaborate to this result, even if I was not involved. So I think this deep sense of responsibility in one hand is really important because together with the empathy helped me to um, be careful about my decisions and be care about how my decisions affect others. But it can also be... Uh, it can also create some anxiety. <laughs> uh, 
and uh, last I would say, and this one, uh, I think it comes from my Brazilian roots. <laughs> that is, um, I'm, I, I think that being Brazilian uh, makes you a person that is adaptable. I don't know if it's the uh, resilient. I, I, I try to avoid the, the buzzword resilience, but it's really how you, in face of some adversity, you... Uh, try to solve the problems and try to move on, uh, not ignoring the, the, the things, but really within a constructive way, like in a way that is solution-oriented and not problem-oriented, because sometimes in some cultures you first want to stress the responsibility on the problem and not the responsibility on finding the solution. So I think... Uh, especially when I moved from Brazil to Germany, to me, this was a kind of cultural clash because it was like, okay, I understand that we have a, we have a situation here, but if we, if we need to invest our energy, let's invest our energy on finding the solution and not finding uh, or over-exploring the problem because the problem is, is there already. So this, this, I think it would be the three elements, the responsibility, uh, empathy and resilience adaptability <laughs> that's really fascinating i loved i loved what you said about the cultural shock sometimes we get stuck into um how to think about things rather than what to think or do um and um it, it's really nice you mentioned earlier that your parents and um, your father and your mother really uh, worked on empowering you and your sisters um so what were your thoughts when you were in school and you were maybe wondering what kind of career you might have or what you might go on to study or do. What were your thoughts around that time when you were quite young? This is an interesting uh, question because I was always torn between what I wanted to do and what I somehow had to do. I don't know if the current generations, they also think about it. Maybe it's something from the, the, the generation before, some, some millennial uh, generation, uh, um, I, I'm not sure. I think I'm millennial, but <laughs> I, I still think maybe uh, no. I'm uh, no, but I, I think this is from uh, a generation. From I think it's a bit part of the generation on thinking uh, how we should perform. And I think when I was uh, on school, I was always thinking what is the safe place and, uh, and uh, this unknown, but with the potential to be something bigger. That was the, the, the thing that we mentioned in the beginning, that uh, one thing was stay in my hometown that is a university city, so it has a great university, and stay there and have a safe career. Uh, but I was always uh, fascinated by uh, the world out there. Uh, it was, when I was in school, it was the beginning of internet, Yes, people, we already live in a world without internet. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was this moment in life that you had to wait until night so you'd be able to connect on the phone. And most of the time, and by the end of the month, your parents would be super mad with you because the bills were super high. So this, everything happened in the this is, uh, early 2000s. And... Uh, but this this possibility to start to explore the world via internet through through uh, travels uh, through 
uh, cultural products such as uh, cinema, uh, series, and so on. I was like, no, maybe I can do I can do a bit more. Uh, and one thing that uh, also the the size of the city always was a thing that I was like, do I re- do I really fit in this box? And it's fun because also you told me that you are in India and this this uh, size of the cities in the global in the so-called global south is different because my hometown in Brazil it's considered a small town and it's 250,000 uh, inhabitants <laughs> that here in Germany is most of the mid-sized towns they are they are uh, this size but uh, I was uh, always thinking like what was uh, I always wanted to work with creativity I think I always like this solving the puzzles of life but at some point I thought maybe I can I, I can study administration management something some boring career and find a path I'm pretty sure that even if I had chosen the this path I would be somewhere outside my hometown I still love my hometown but it's amazing to spend holidays <laughs> uh, but for, for like to really explore and think about all these uh, ways of uh, not only challenging yourself, but challenging the world to be a better place, I would definitely be outside uh, Rio Grande. That's really interesting. Um, Do you think if you for a moment put yourself um, in the body of when you were 16 or 17, how would you um, say your expectations have aligned? And are you maybe happy with the choice that you've made um, now, not going with the so-called, um, you know, path well-traveled instead of the other one? Uh, sorry. Uh, I think that uh, I would be impressed. I think, I would, I, I, of course, I had the idea of living abroad, but... In the situation that I'm now uh, being part of the leadership team of the BMW Foundation, I think my my 17-year-old Paula would be very happy, would be like, well done, would be even impressed, would be, you gave up on some things to be there. And I would say to this Paula, yeah, I gave up on some things, but I also had a lot of fun. I think that I explored it and I... I think also one critical moment in my professional life, I'm sorry if I'm jumping, it's my first podcast, I forgot to mention this, uh, uh, but I um, uh, I decided in 2014 to um, work as a consultant and uh, being an entrepreneur for almost 10 years helped me a lot to realign the my personal expectations and this exploring and living and uh, experiencing the world with while developing my professional path. So this maybe it's a, a tip for the people that want to uh, think about their future, that uh, you don't need to take all the decisions at the t- same time. And even because this decision I took when I was uh, almost 30, that sometimes you can run a bit, stop a bit, rethink, think about the new formats. We have so many other ways of developing uh, ourselves in our careers nowadays that you can work from uh, every, any place. So definitely uh, don't, don't, don't be so hard on yourself. And I think that 
this would be the message to my 19, 20 years old. That was when I started, when I was already in university. Because the 17 was a bit more naive, but at the 20s, this was the, was the hard one. This was the hard power. This one I would calm down. Yeah, early, early 20s tend to be quite like that. But I think if you can look back and um, give comfort to your younger self and, and know that she'd be really proud of you, that's a really good achievement. It's, it's all one wants. <laughs> so I think that's really good. Um, I think you, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the role you've played in your career, obviously, but um, is there somebody else or um, anything else that... Um, you would um, say has influenced you a lot when you were making all these decisions and, and dealing you know, with yourself and what you wanted to do? I, as I said in the, in some minutes ago, I think people in general, and I think the, not only my friends or my family, but also experiencing different uh, cultural contexts, being in different places. And I, I did my master's in Buenos Aires and it was very interesting for me to build my um, sense of belonging as being a Latin American person because I think in Brazil, since the country is so big, you are so much into uh, this country continent and you are always facing to Europe or facing to US. And when I, when I did my master's in uh, Buenos Aires, I uh, found myself as Latin American uh, and understanding the different flavors and the different cultures that make this continent to me uh, and make this culture. So to me, it was something that really helped me to uh, understand myself and understand also uh, the, the um, uh, burdens that we carry or that we share in terms of uh, the colonial heritage, the um, all the um, patriarchal um, uh, structures that we say. So to me, it was really a, a, a turning point in my life, and and also, but also being uh, in in a, in a country that is super rich and rich uh, in nature, rich in terms of culture. And that is a hub for Latin America. So to me, this, this experience in Buenos Aires was really important. Personally, personally more than the uh, grade that I received and the, the, all the experience and the friends that I made, but really to be faced with uh, another cultural context. And afterwards, and I think it was even more important in terms of understanding uh, inequalities, was when I moved to Rio de Janeiro. Uh, when I moved to Rio, it was a moment that I was facing some like, I want to change. I want to change my life. I want to uh, have more space to the sports and to all these things that I share with the field that I like to do. And I was in between moving to Rio or Sao Paulo. And then I decided to move to Rio de Janeiro uh, by having just the experience of carnival. I was, I was uh, going to Rio for carnival several years and I was like, I like the vibes. I, I want to experience uh, how it is to live in this, in this city. And when I arrived in Rio, uh, it's, it was uh, super important to reconnect with myself as a person because, of, because the city is so musical, the city is so beautiful, the, the, the warmth in terms of also climate, <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it helps you to uh, 
take it more easy and take care of yourself more. I think to me it was really a healing moment of my life. But on the other hand, uh, the same uh, uh, aha moment that I had in being a Latin American in Buenos Aires when I was living in Rio, in Rio was to understand better my country and understand be better my uh, uh, heritage. Because from the South, the South, if you don't know, it's, um, it has a very strong uh, and very homogeneous uh, European uh, migration. And, when, and uh, Rio, Sao Paulo, and more, to, and more towards the North, you have all this uh, mix of uh, the Europeans that came, the other uh, nations that came afterwards, but you also have the strong, especially Rio, the strong heritage from slavery. Uh, it was the biggest slavery port, and you still have these uh, wounds in the city and in the way that people treat each other, in the way that uh, discrimination happens every day. And it happens also in my hometown, but I think in Rio is more in, in your face. And to me, it was important to also acknowledge my own biases, my own prejudice, the things that I, I was not confronted and to really rethink my, my, my set of values, my attitudes, and to be more aware about uh, the inequalities in, in the world. So uh, it was, the, in one hand, was super healing uh, for my person, myself, but also a very uh, challenging in terms of attitudes, biases, and the way that I was uh, living my life and sometimes even uh, unconsciously ignoring that I was reinforcing uh, some of these um, some of these patterns and some of these inequalities. No, that's actually that's beautiful. And um, do you think also, um, as a woman, it's been very important to to have these friends and these peers who guide you and and take you seriously and are able to have a conversation about you with your future. Um, yes. Uh, but also, uh, I think they uh, more than uh, helped me in terms of knowledge. They also helped me in cheering for me, like and empowering me and helping me to. Uh, I think that sometimes, especially in being a woman, I don't know if you experience this. Sometimes we, it's not that we don't know what we should do, but we need some kind of resonance box. <laughs> you need to exchange with someone to be sure because the world. For us, it's sometimes a saying, you are wrong, or gaslighting us, and then you need some kind of place that you can like, okay, how can I resonate here that I can be feel more uh, empowered to speak up, to present myself. And I think over the years, uh, this, this uh, peer coaching that I was mentioning before also worked on this level, on the level of helping uh, me or helping uh, us because I think it's not a like a one way uh, to 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 exchange on on similar challenges or sometimes different challenges but have similar roots because sometimes it's uh, even if you are facing a challenge in a completely different area the root causes sometimes they are very similar because it's and not even because it's Germany or Brazil or Germany and Mexico. Uh, that uh, 
we are still we still live in a patriarchy. So <laughs> men are doing things to stay there and to stay in power and to gain more power. So uh, if we if we don't uh, stand for each other, uh, who will do it? That's absolutely right. And um, have you also yourself had a chance to um, mentor um, other women or, or young people um, in your career? Uh, yes, uh, not. Uh, I would say that not formally, but I understand that uh, being on leadership positions, it this comes uh, uh, with the package. I don't see leadership without mentorship, because uh, otherwise it's just management. <laughs> I, I don't believe on, in being a boss. I believe that uh, I, I, I see my role as a leader on empowering people to understand where they can be better and when they can, they can develop their own skills to not only to be a leader, because I think that some people, they don't want to be this in this formal leadership uh, position, but they want to have power. They want to have power over their decisions. They want to feel acknowledged. They want to feel that they are growing. They want to feel that they are learning. They want to feel that they are heard. So uh, I, yeah. So I think that any leadership positions carry, carry uh, with them the mentorship aspect, and I am uh, I am also very thankful for the leaders that I had in the past that helped me to realize this and helped me to acknowledge this from from a very respectful place that uh, it's it's part of the. Again, I was talking about responsibility, but it's part of the responsibility, but not as a burden, but really as some uh, gift that we can give back to people that trust us uh, to lead them. Yeah, I think that's a very holistic um, understanding of, of leadership. And it, it's also very wonderful to hear as, as a young person, um, uh, looking back at uh, you know the length of your career up till now, um, do you think there's anything you might do differently now, or any um, you know when you look back and you think, oh well, that if if I knew that would have gone this way, I would have done that or or not done that. I I think I'm more into not done that because sometimes I think I did too much. I think sometimes uh, I. I want to cover everything, and uh, I think that some in some decisions I would maybe in the past would have like wait a bit or said some uh, say some no's. I think that this is the sometimes it's the mistake that we do when we are young because we think that we have all the energy in the world and we want to do everything. And in one hand, it teaches you a lot and you learn a lot and you build new connections and so on. But sometimes this also asks for a price. Uh, and this price, uh, in my case, <laughs> I, I was saying about the 20s, I had, uh, I had several uh, gastritis and stomach problems because I was so invested on doing, doing, doing that uh, maybe the only thing is that calm down. My, my husband, he's learning Portuguese and sometimes he looks at me and I, he just looks at me and says, calma, calma, that, that is 
come down in Portuguese, but it's cute because he has a, a very way that he looks at me with big eyes and calma. And until today, to me, it's really hard to, to, to set these boundaries uh, in work. In the personal life, I think that I end up setting these boundaries, uh, limiting some activities and so on, or investing in other, in, in other activities. But in the professional life, it's still for me a challenge uh, to set these boundaries and to say these no's and to uh, step back or, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's something. Uh, it, it's quite, uh, I think, a relatable struggle for for both me and perhaps listeners as well. Um, is there something really um, funny related to your professional life, like a little anecdote that uh, you think was uh, quite out of place and hilarious? Um, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> I have so many, but some of them I can't share. Here. Oh, really? <laughs> maybe maybe people can send a message and I can share with them. Uh, yeah, if you, if you want an inappropriate um, anecdote from Paula, please shoot us an email exactly, and you will have exactly. <laughs> no, but I, I always uh, have I always try to have a lot of uh, fun in my yeah. in my work life. I, I tend to make jokes of everything and this sometimes makes people a bit uh, uncomfortable. But most of the time it works very well because it breaks the ice. Uh, yeah, but it's as you start to work with different cultures, you always need to test the waters. Like, can I do yeah. this joke in this environment or not? But I think that also uh, being natural uh, helps you to to go uh, through uh, things. I'm 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 still thinking about the anecdote. I'm I'm really sorry. Uh, Maybe something related to cultural differences. Like, um, I mean. You know, moving from not, a Brazilian not related place. to cultural difference, but this is maybe, but this is this is a fun one because I felt that I was like, do you know, these times in the life that you are facing a situation, but you think that you are in a movie and all the things are happening around you. Uh, yeah. One of the first times that I joined one of uh, the the BMW Foundation host gatherings, and you have dinners and so on, and we were starting to work on several activities in Mexico, and then. Uh, from my teenagehood, I used to drink tequila. It was one of the first things that I drink. And I, I had bad situations with tequila from my, uh, when I was in my 18s, 20s. And I'm very cautious when I drink tequila. And then we were in this uh, gathering. One of the first ones we had, like, in the same year, we had three gatherings in, in Mexico. And then in this first one, uh, the last dinner was special Mexican dinner. And then when we enter, because they wanted to show how, uh, how nice Mexicans host people and so on, they started to offer people mezcal and tequila. And the dinner was in a buffet. And I was, uh, I look at the tequila mezcal and I look at the buffet, I said, I will eat. And, uh, but it, it was 60 people me and I, I think two other people eating food while the people were in the table like with three doses of tequila after like I don't know half an hour everybody was crazy dancing and I was just watching and I was like I I, I didn't sign for this type of work yeah. but it was yeah. it was fun because then people realized and they started to eat it not that nothing happened no except one person she fell twice from the same space so, oh, but no, she's, she's well, she's fine. But 
Um, okay, okay. But there's this cultural thing that oh, we are in Mexico, we need to drink tequila, but people, tequila is not water. Uh, so I think those anecdotes of uh, some, but sometimes I was also in the other side. Like I think that we also yeah. need to balance like when we jump into the water with everybody and sometimes that we're like, be a bit more cash, cautious and then in this moment was I tried to be a bit more cautious uh, and I, I saw a lot of strange things in that night I was like this is interesting looks like it feels like I'm watching a movie <laughs> no it's it's a different experience entirely to be in a group of people who are not on uh, the same level of sobriety exactly as you. <laughs> <Be polite. laughs> yeah I think I think that that's really quite interesting um, we have a little bit of uh, some fun questions to end with, and and these are uh, they may th take a little bit of time to think through, so no rush at all. But um, if you could be someone for one day, um, who would you be? It's very hard because I'm thinking: Do I want to be someone with power and change things? But I, I since nowadays the decisions they are not take they are not bilateral or they are not an. Uh, uh, just from one side, even if I'm someone with power, this power would be not so useful. <laughs> so maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe I think that I would use the power, for example, I could be Taylor Swift or Beyonce, just because they have a different power that they could use better. I could be a pop star that use my power. And since they are the two that are add like they have all this influence in multitudes maybe i would be uh, one of them to carry some uh, inspirational messages to the yeah. masses so maybe maybe i would be I mean, it's not a bad time um it's not a bad time to be taylor swift she, she's really having her moment so i think that's a really good thing <laughs> exactly exactly and then i could like influence her to share some like Messages of peace, of understanding, of uh, stop hate speech. Uh, I think that I, we could use, I would change her eras to some, change the songs to something more like <laughs> do brainwashing. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Swifties. Sorry, Swifties. Uh, I... <laughs> I mean, as a Swiftie, I, I fully support this. So um, there's no problem for me at all. Um, and then, so I know that, you know, you'd love to have um, met your grandmothers and interviewed them. So if you could pick any three people, dead or alive, from any point in history, any part of the world, to have dinner with, um, who would they be? I already said my grandmothers. But I also feel that my grandparents, because I also feel that I didn't exchange much. And I think they would be shocked with what happened in the world especially by being men. So maybe, yeah, uh, I, would, I would invite the two of them and who else? Mm, I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe if someone else appears, <laughs> I, could, I could also like open the door and find someone, find someone on the street. I also... Uh, I think we sometimes we need to trust like serendipity. Serendipity uh, makes things sometimes that like acts in sub, such important ways in the foundation with we believe that this is part of our 
not only of our magic, but also the way that we can create uh, meaningful uh, relationships and meaningful connections. So maybe I would, I would give away in a more uh, open <laughs> way. That's actually a wonderful idea for, di for a dinner party. Like, you know, you, you invite one person you know and you tell them to bring another person that they know. You don't so um, a little a little nice interesting party like that that sounds really wonderful um our last question to you is um what is the bravest thing that you've done so far and it can be both personally or professionally i think my my moving to germany but not only because moving to germany was not a hard decision because uh, they first offered me a two years contract so i thought if things go wrong i can come back but staying in Germany was uh, was a brave thing because b the first few years you are discovering, but being aware about the challenges and saying, I will be here. <laughs> and also, but I must say that also jumping in, and, uh, in my relationship, I met my uh, husband in the middle of the pandemics. Uh, we married and it's a brave thing, like believe in love and believe that we can really build something together to me like uh, it's something that takes a lot of courage to 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 especially in 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 these moments that we are so focused on ourselves in this egoistic times that you say i think life can be easier if you uh, walk together uh, and can be more meaningful can be more colorful and uh, this was uh, uh, again, like things that sometimes I, I discuss with this, my mentors, we were discussing about unconditional love. And my, uh, a friend, uh, which was saying, ah, but I have unconditional love uh, to my husband. And I said, I don't. <laughs> every year, every day when I open my eyes, we choose to be together. To me, unconditional love is the one that you have to people that have the same blood, to your family, but to your husband or to your boyfriend or to the, your friends. It's not that it's conditioned to a situation, but it's conditioned to this mutual uh, choice of investing on this, 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 uh, this connection. And uh, I, I, so to me, love is a brave thing. <laughs> especially in in times of hate no absolutely and you know just because it's it doesn't make it less special than than the other kinds of, of love we have for family members or anybody else um, and to choose to be vulnerable like that it, it is really quite brave and i think that was a wonderful answer um it's been so so lovely to have you on the podcast and to learn more about you and to have this um really wonderful conversation with you so i can't thank you enough for joining us paula i hope you also had as much fun as i did Thank you so much. Thank you, Luke and Hani. Thank you, Kavita. And I hope to hear you soon. <laughs>